Hello, everyone. My name is Byron Howell, and this is the Byron Howell Ministries podcast. Thank you so much for joining us today. I really hope you've had an opportunity to read some of our recent blog posts on ByronHowellMinistries.com or listen to some of our recent podcasts because we are really talking about some amazing realities, some amazing biblical truths. And I tell you, these will absolutely revolutionize your life. You know, learning to hear from God regularly, learning to live by faith, learning to seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. You know, these things that we've been talking about, these are, this is the great wisdom of the universe from the creator, from God himself, who not only created everything, but he loves you more than you can fathom. And you, he has an awesome, awesome plan for your life. He has so many good things for you. But we need to understand, and this is kind of just a foundational matter, that what God wants does not automatically happen. And that's just the reality. You know, God wants for every single one of us to be in perfect health. But if we eat a bunch of fast food every day and don't exercise, we're not going to be in perfect health. That's all there is to it. And, and that's true whether God wants it or not. And people would start to tell you that's blasphemy or, you know, that's wrong or whatever. God is sovereign. Whatever God wants automatically happens. And that's just not true. That's not biblical. And unfortunately, I believe that's one of the greatest lies that's been perpetrated by the devil through through the Christian world. But the contrary is true. You know, what what is true is that God tells us how to live. He tells us how to think. He tells us what to do. He, he says, if you are willing and obedient, you will eat the good of the land. He says that, yes, his wisdom and his ways are higher than our wisdom and our ways. But but he has given to us his wisdom and his ways, has given us his understanding, his knowledge by his word. And on top of that, he's given us his Holy Spirit to lead us into his specific will for our lives. And if we will learn to do things God's way, if we will learn God's system, then we absolutely can experience God's will and God's best in every area of our lives. That's exactly what he wants for us. And that's what I want for you. And I know that, you know, these things that we're looking at together will help all of us get there. It's a journey for me as well. And, you know, I want to basically continue with that idea of living by faith. And I want to talk about, you know, how to get prayers answered. And let me just say, we all want our prayers answered, uh, you know, regardless of really what they are. And that can be even a complicated statement. But but just to keep it simple for now, we want our prayers answered. We pray for wisdom. We pray for healing. We pray for money. Move all these different things we pray for. So we pray for other people. Uh, obviously, we have friends, family that need prayer. There's all sorts of things. And we all want to see those prayers answered. And, you know, it's funny. I once heard a man say, and this is actually a prominent minister, that he, he thinks he went 10 years without a single prayer being answered. You know, you know, he couldn't see a single manifested answer uh, while he was in the ministry uh, to any of his prayers for approximately 10 years. And, you know, I think I think there's probably a lot of people like that, you know, that that we go through life, we pray and we hope but, you know, we don't really see these things show up or we don't see things work out the way we want them to. And so we start to wonder, you know, did we miss it? Uh, you know, did God even hear us? But, you know, the church world has really developed an answer for this. You know, oh, well, the answer must have been no or the answer must have been not right now. But, you know, that's an unbiblical paradigm. There's nowhere in the Bible that says, you know, God answers every prayer with either yes, no or not right now. It never says that. In fact, 
you know, the Bible says that all the promises of God are yes and amen in Christ. And, and what that means is that everything that God has promised in his word is ours, is ours for the taking. It is our inheritance. Literally, it belongs to us now as the children of God. But there is a system. There's a way to pray. And, and you know, it. Even there are times, it's true, when we're praying for something that, that wouldn't be good. Let's say, for example, that you know, you're know you praying that you would marry a person or that God would help you to marry a person, but God knows that's, that's not right for you. There are times we pray for things that are not God's will. And, and I think that can be a little bit of a more complicated subject. But, but in those times, we shouldn't just wonder and then say, oh, well, it didn't happen. It must not have been God's will or something like that. No, we should be able to clearly hear God tell us, hey, buddy, you're, you're praying for something that's not my will. And I mean, I, I won't go into the details, but I remember a situation where, and this wasn't really a big deal, but I started to, to pray for a particular situa- situation. And I could tell by the Holy Spirit that I needed to keep my mouth shut, that that was not what God wanted me to do. And, and we see, that's the way it should be. You know, that, that if we really will develop our relationship with the Holy Spirit, we can really know God's will in our prayers. And, and through that way, we can know that we're really praying in line with God's will in these areas where the Bible is not specific. But honestly, I'm getting a bit off topic today because today I want to keep it, you know, relatively simple. The Bible has promised us many, many wonderful things. And let's just say perfect health and abundant finances are two crystal clear promises from the Word of God. I know people don't believe that, but you'd have to look at some of my other materials. We won't get into exactly that today, but let me just be crystal clear here. God wants you to have perfect health and abundant wealth. And by abundant, let me just be clear. What I mean is satisfied, content, and generous. I've referred to that elsewhere as God's prosperity line, that that you should have enough, that you're satisfied, that you're content, all your needs are met, you're living a a good lifestyle, and you have so much that that you can be generous. You know, God will make all grace abound towards you that you always have all sufficiency in all things so that you can abound to every good work. That's what the Bible says. And so that's what God wants for you financially. By Jesus' stripes, you were healed. Uh, God will restore your health and heal your wounds. Uh, I will take sickness away from your midst. Those are some healing promises, right? Sickness shouldn't even be a part of our lives. And and so those are just examples of areas of the Bible. You know, another one would be great shall be the peace of thy children, right? The family promises. There are promises in the Bible that should absolutely be physically manifested in our lives. Or to put it another way, those promises should be a part of our daily reality. But for many Christians, we are not, you know, I'm not going to say we, but, you know, many Christians are living below God's standard for, for what what is possible, what is available to us as the children of God citizens of the kingdom of God. And and that's really what I want to talk about. You know, why are prayers for those things that are so obviously the will of God based on the word of God? There, These things are obviously God's will. Why is it that these prayers seem to to go unanswered? And you know, it's true. Maybe 
maybe we'll never get to 100% answered prayer. I certainly believe we could, especially if we really develop our relationship with the Holy Spirit. So these kind of specific prayers, that house, that car, that person, we know that those are being guided by the Spirit of God. But let's just say, you know, maybe we won't get to 100% answered prayer. Uh, but I'm telling you, if you will look at, at what we're talking about today and some of the keys to prayer that even Jesus told us about that we're going to look at today, you can see a dramatic increase in the answered prayers in your life. Now, I want to quickly say this. I believe what the Bible says. I don't believe what other people think it says. I, I sure don't believe what people believe that it says based on their personal experience. You know, that's when you start telling someone, well, the Bible says this, and then they give, yeah, but this, this happened to my friend, or this person was so good, and, you know, it didn't work for them. They prayed, they believed, it didn't work for them, and so on. Look, I'm sorry. I believe what the Bible says. In fact, the Bible says in Jeremiah 1.12 that God watches over his word to make it good. In Numbers 23.19, you know, it says God doesn't lie. What he says he does, what he speaks comes to pass. I love that passage. If God has promised you something either directly to you or in the Bible, God wants it to be a part of your life. That's true for every one of God's promises. Now look at these statements from Jesus. Jesus replied, Truly I tell you, if you have faith and do not doubt, you can say to this mountain, go throw yourself into the sea and it will be done. If you believe, you will receive whatever you ask for in prayer. And let me look at another one. That was Matthew 21 verses 21 through 22. This is John 16, 23 through 24. Very truly, I tell you, my father will give you whatever you ask in my name. Until now, you have not asked for anything in my name. Ask and you will receive and your joy will be complete. Now, now let's just acknowledge how broad those passages are. Anything you ask for, if you believe, if you have faith, they will be done. Now, despite how broad those promises truly are, you should be, and you should be able to ask for anything and receive it. You should be able to command any mountain to move and see it move. And yes, I do believe that's talking about physical mountains, but what about the mountain of sickness in your life, the mountain of debt, the mountain of a broken relationship, the mountain of other obstacles that you might face in your life, your family, your business, whatever it may be, all those mountains should move when you command them in the name of Jesus. But but despite how broad those promises are, look, again, we're, today, let's just focus on, let's keep it simple. Those which the Bible expressly promises to us, all right? Because I don't want, you know, people start saying, well, what about a Ferrari? Or, you know, what about this? What about that? Look, you know, we'll talk about that another time. For today, every single thing that the Bible promises you should be a manifested physical reality in your life. And Jesus tells us how to make it happen. If you have faith and do not doubt, you can say to the mountain, go and it will go. If you believe, you will receive whatever you ask for in prayer. Those are the key words. You must understand, and I've said this before, the missing ingredient, the reason people do not see 
the vast majority of their prayers answered. There are a couple of other things that we'll, we'll address briefly, but the, I mean, this is the big one by far. Because, because let me just say, faith does not work because of your personal performance. Jesus didn't say, if you believe and are without sin, or if you believe and you've been really good over the past few days, or if you believe and you've been really perfect and in the Bible and in prayer, really awesome for the last two weeks, then you'll receive. No, this is not dependent on your behavior. The issue of your behavior was settled at the cross. Your These promises are yours because you are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. Now look, look, you try to live a sinful life and, and make this work. You try to go out and, and act crazy, act in an ungodly manner. And just because you're a born again Christian, try to make this work. Hey, good luck. Uh, you know, we're not going to get into that today. I'm not discounting the importance of your behavior. But what I'm telling you is that faith and prayer and seeing these promises in your life are not tied to your behavior. They are not tied to how good you think you've been. It doesn't say that. Jesus didn't say that. These promises should be yours. They are your reality. And the missing ingredient where we have fallen short and failed is understanding faith. And I believe that a huge reason for that is what the English language, I don't know if this is true in other languages, but what the English language has done to the words faith and belief, I believe is a huge part of why we're missing it. And that's what I want to focus on for a minute. The word for faith in the Greek, in the Bible, is pistis. All right, that's the word, pistis. And the word for believing is pisteo. And pistis is the root word for pisteo. So now in English, faith and belief, they sound different. They look different. Uh, they certainly in different connotations have very different meanings. But those are not the words Jesus is talking about. He's talking about pistis and pisteo. So if a person has faith, they have pistis. And the word pisteo, which is the Greek word for believing, literally means to have pistis or to have faith. So Jesus says, if you have pistis and do not doubt, then you can speak to the uh, to the mountain and it will go. If you believe or if you have pistis, you will receive whatever you ask for in prayer. So these are the words we must focus on. I almost want to say stop thinking the words faith and belief in English and start thinking pistis. All right. So we can get a new word that's going to help you understand faith. And this is the word Jesus is using. The foundation of pistis, and we're not, we don't need to introduce a new word, but just so you get the idea, is patho. Patho is the Greek verb meaning to convince. All right. That's the key. If I have pistis, I am convinced. I am, I have conviction. I have assurance. I am fully persuaded. I am totally convinced. That is what pistis means. We have developed faith 
into a very different word than pistis. Belief, we, we now use the term believe for anything. All right. In the English, you know, I believe the movie starts at three o'clock. I believe the Gators won the game last night, whatever. But in the Greek, to say it is to say, I am convinced. I am assured. I am persuaded. I have conviction that I know that this thing is so. Those are the words that Jesus is using. Now, I know I've talked about this a little bit before, and I don't want to rehash all of this, but what I really want to focus on today is both this, this, this fact that pistis is the main ingredient. It is the requirement, Jesus is telling us, when we make these declarations, when we make these prayers, that we must have pistis. And I encourage you to look at my uh, blog post and podcast, Live by Faith 1 and 2. I, 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 Go into great detail. I have some stories, but but today I want to look at this again, and I also really want to look at Romans chapter four. I was studying Romans chapter four again. Talks a lot about faith, and I was just blown away about how mechanical Romans four is when teaching us to understand pistis. All right, and and remember, we are to live by faith. Four times the Bible tells us that God's people are to live by faith. And that doesn't just mean, you know, obtain your ticket to heaven or obtain your eternal life. It means we are to use our God-given faith to dominate life for for the kingdom of God. We should be dominating every area of our lives according to God's system. We can succeed and see God promises, God's promises manifested in every area of our lives, if we will live by faith. So Romans 4. Now, Romans 4 talks about Abraham. And so I just need to give you a little bit of background. In Genesis 15, God told Abraham, and there were no other people on the planet at that time that worshiped God. Not that we know of, all right? Not not really. I mean, Abraham meets Melchizedek and all that. But by and large, Abraham's the only person in the world that worships God. Okay. And in Genesis 15, God tells Abraham that his descendants would be as innumerable as the stars. Okay. Now, Abraham, I'm not exactly sure how old he was, but let's just say he was, he was between 80 and 100. All right. When that promise came down somewhere in there, I think he's closer to 100. But God says to him, despite how old he is, despite how old Sarah, his wife is, despite the fact that they've never had a child, God says, your descendants will be as innumerable as the stars. And let me just say, you know, if you live in a big city, you go out, maybe you can see 25, 30 stars, but you go out to the desert. You go out to, uh, I mean, I, I recognize this actually one time when I was in Botswana, you go out to an undeveloped place with no light solution, light pollution, you cannot count the stars. I'd never seen, I was, uh, I was just amazed in Africa. I mean, millions, millions of stars. That's the sky Abraham was looking at. I'm sure some of you have seen that, you know, a couple of times you've been camping or something like that. It, it, no relationship to what we see. It's talking, I mean, millions and millions of stars. And so, Abraham was looking at that sky, no kids, and God says, you're going to have descendants as the stars in the sky. And so he didn't even have one child. 
So that was the key promise from God to Abraham. That was the promise that we're using as our example that Romans 4 uses as its example. And let's just say, what promises do you have, right? You, you, you could make a quick list. You know that you have promises from God uh, in the Bible over your health, your life, your kids, your business. And you probably have a couple of specific uh, promises from God. You, those of you that have spent any time with God, you know, God said, look, this, I'm going to take care of this for you. I'm going to do that for you. This is what you should be believing for. You probably have some specific promises. I would think about that real quick and then let's get through this podcast, but go back to those promises in light of what we're talking about today. So Abraham had this promise of children and what did he do? He believed according to Romans chapter four, verse three, Abraham was convinced. It says Abraham pisteo. He believed with pistis. He had pissed us. He was fully persuaded. He was absolutely convinced. He was assured. Let me, let me quote. This is Romans chapter four, verse 18. Even when there was no reason for hope, Abraham kept hoping, believing that he would become the father of many nations. For God had said to him, that's how many descendants you will have. So what did Abraham do? Believed that he would become the father of many nations according to the promise of God. Now, Abraham had no reason to have faith based on physical circumstances. Uh, at that, at, you know, by the time he had Isaac, he was a hundred years old. It specifically says in the Bible that his wife's body was past childbearing. They had never had a child. So, so there was definitely some medical issue. And there's just nothing in the physical realm that would lead Abraham to believe. There's nothing, you know, God didn't say, look at all these kids you already have. You're going to have a bunch more. For example, God may say to you, you know, look at how much money you have in the bank. You're, you're obviously going to be wealthy. No, a lot of times when God gives us promises, there's nothing in the natural. You know, sometimes you feel sick. And the Bible says you can be healed. Sometimes you have a, you know, a real problem with one of your children. And the Bible says that relationship can be restored. When God gave that promise to Abraham, there was nothing in the natural realm that agreed with what God said. But the Bible says Abraham believed it anyway. It also says he believed in hope. Now, the word for hope is also very different from English. And maybe sometime we'll, we'll go at length here. But just so you know, hope in, in, in the Greek is very different. It's confident expectation. It is a, it is a strong, convinced anticipation. So, so when it says he hoped in faith, uh, what it's saying there is in his pistis, in his conviction that God's word was true, he confidently expected that thing to manifest. Look at Romans 4 verses 19 through 21. And being not weak in faith, he considered not his own body now dead when he was about a 100 years old, neither yet the deadness of Sarah's womb. He staggered not at the promise of God through unbelief, but was strong in faith, giving glory to God and being fully persuaded that what he had promised, he was also able to perform. 
Abraham had strong faith. He didn't consider the physical circumstances. He didn't stagger at God's promise. No, he believed God's promise. He was fully persuaded that God could do what he had promised. Abraham believed God's promise regardless of all the natural evidence to the contrary. He was convinced that he was going to become the father of many nations and he stayed convinced until his son was born. We need to take an identical stance toward the word of God. This is what we need to do. Whatever God's promise is, you need to have an identical conviction that it is done. Conviction that it is done, that it is reality, and that it is here now. And then you engage your hope, confident expectation that that which you are believing for, that which you are convinced is reality, is going to show up in the spirit realm. Excuse me, show up in the natural realm. And look, let me just take a moment and acknowledge that that sounds crazy. God says, by Jesus' stripe, you were healed. You feel sick. You feel terrible. You don't even want to get out of bed. But you must believe. And Kenneth Hagin, one of the one of the great generals of the faith, he was a child. I believe he was 16 years old when he got a hold of these verses in Mark. And he, and he knew that God wanted him healed. And he was on his deathbed. He was going to die. They basically left him for dead. And he said, you know what? If the Bible says I'm healed, I believe I'm healed. Got out of bed one leg at a time, got himself dressed. I mean, you know, he wasn't saying it was instantaneous. It was a tremendous struggle. But, you know, he's in there on his deathbed, but he believed. And he got out, got dressed, showed up at the breakfast table. Everybody was shocked. Didn't even think he could get out of bed. And there he is, dressed, ready for breakfast was healed. He went home to be with the Lord, but, you know, hurt, healed of these incurable diseases and lived to be a mighty man of God into his early 80s, I believe, is when he went home to be with the Lord. And, and you know, that is how it happened. You believe that it's done and then it shows up. And look at my other Live, Live by Faith podcast. I got some stories of my own about how that has operated in my life. So, here, just give me for an example, right? Let's let's just say you you need an example. You could look at and, and you could pray like this. This is how I kind of think we should pray with respect to these promises of God that we see in the Word. God, your Word says in Isaiah fifty four thirteen that you will teach my children and my children will have great peace. I receive that promise right now because of my position as your child through my faith in Jesus Christ. I have faith in this promise starting today. Maybe I never had true biblical faith in this promise before, God, but starting today, I have it. I declare in Jesus' name, according to your word, that you do teach my children and that great is their peace. Now I give you complete permission to do anything you want to do to bring your word to pass. And please help me to know anything you want me to do to cooperate with your promises. In Jesus' name, I pray. Amen. You see, that's how you do it. And that's how it can work for all of God's promises, including his healing promises, financial promise, promises, all of them. So what happens when a year goes by, your kid's still having problems, you still haven't seen the manifestation? That doesn't mean that God said no. And that doesn't mean that God said not right now. But you have to stay 
in faith. You have to continue believing in hope. Continue being convinced that that what God says he does, what he speaks comes to pass. God is not a man that he should lie and that God is watching over his word to perform it. You have to stay in faith and then it will show up in the natural. Like we've all probably been there. Anybody that's thought about these things have, has been there where we're praying and we're waiting for something to show up. But the key ingredient is remaining in faith. The Bible says by faith and patience, patience means staying in faith over a long period of time. That's what it really means. By faith and patience, we inherit the promises. That's what it takes, guys. And look, if, if you're really standing in faith and not seeing that thing uh, show up, then you, you should do some prayer. You should do some fasting. Pray in your prayer language. Pray in the Spirit. Definitely talk about that some other time. But, but that will manifest. And how do I know? Because the Bible tells me so. Because I've seen it in my life. Because I've been around many, many people that have seen it in their lives. And your faith will grow and you'll be like Abraham. It says he was strong in faith. You see, the natural order works the opposite way. It says you only believe what you can see. That's how natural people operate. But to start moving in the supernatural, which is the kingdom of God way, we must believe based on God's word. Just like Abraham, I got a promise, I believe it. Then it shows up. But guys, if you can get this, if you can start operating this way, nothing can stop you. Go back to what Jesus said. Any mountain will move. Anything you ask, you will receive if you have faith, if you are operating in pistis. Faith is the way that we are empowered by God to move mountains. Mountain of sickness, mountain of debt, mountain of job problems, mountain of this negative situation in my life. I command you to be removed in Jesus' name and thrown into the sea. Right now, you speak straight to the mountain. You've probably heard this, but you don't talk to God about your mountain. You know, God, I hate this situation. This is terrible. No, that's not what Jesus said to do. You speak straight to the mountain about God. Mountain, God told me that I can make you move in the name of Jesus. Now, get out of my way. Whatever it is, cold, get off me. Nose, you know, stop running. Pain in my leg, get off me in Jesus' name. You know, I run sometimes and that's what I'll do. Start feeling something in my leg, my knee, whatever. Pain in my knee, get out in Jesus' name. And I keep running, give it a few minutes, start thinking about something else before I know it. There's no pain anymore. Look, I there are things that that are absolutely crystal clear from the Bible that we should be seeing in our lives. And if you're not seeing them, chances are that the most obvious biblical reason is you haven't been in faith. And I am not trying to come down on you. I'm trying to help you. Take those promises. Open up the word. Make a list and start declaring out loud with your voice your faith over those promises. There are some things we must acknowledge there are some things in the Bible that will hinder our prayers. Uh, you're in unforgiveness. 
you have a, a big problem with your spouse. The Bible says, you know, your prayers can be hindered in that. Jesus said, when you stand praying, forgive those two. Look, don't go crazy about those things. Go to your wife, go to your husband. I'm sorry. Forgive me. Let's move past it. God, if I'm holding unforgiveness against anybody, I forgive them right now in Jesus' name. And then what's probably going to happen, you probably start thinking about somebody you're, you're not happy with. I, I tell you what, I was in this situation one time, and man, the Lord brought somebody that I hadn't forgiven years ago. And uh, and the moment I realized that I knew it was from the Lord, you know what happened? Uh, I realized I didn't want to forgive that person. And, uh, and man, man, but anyway, I had to, I had to do what God wanted me to do. I had to forgive him, had to let it go, had to move on. Somebody really hurt me when I was a kid. I had never forgiven him. And God brought that to my attention one time when I prayed that prayer. And I didn't want to forgive him, but look, you want to operate in the kingdom of God? You want to do things God's way? Well, you got to submit all that stuff to God. You got to let it go. Because, buddy, I'd want my prayers answered. I want to see these mountains move. I want to see, I want to help people. I want to see people, you know, getting excited about the things of God. There's nothing more exciting in the universe than God and the kingdom of God. So I'm going to forgive. I'm going to do what I need to do. I'm going to keep things right with my wife. Let me mention one of the things. Unbelief. The big related. Apistia. Unbelief. The big reason people don't see answers to their prayers is unbelief or apistia. You got to get that out. The big ways you get that out are fasting and prayer. And and look, fasting is not the most fun thing to do, right? Let's just be honest. But forgiving people that really hurt you isn't the greatest thing to do either. I mean, you're not like super excited about that. It can be difficult to let go of those emotions. It can be difficult to fast, even fasting social media or television, things like that that people do, right? Not giving down on anybody. But this is just what you got to start doing. You start praying. You spend extended time in prayer. I go on I go on these prayer walks. I had something happen Monday. I went on a big prayer walk. God revealed something to me while I was walking. And boom, you know, now, now, hey, I don't know. There might be some changes in my life coming. Praise the Lord. But anyway, you stay in prayer. You stay uh, fasting. Jesus said, you know, these things, these kind comes not out but by prayer and fasting. People think he was talking about a demon when he said that, but he wasn't. He was talking about unbelief. You need to pray and declare in faith, in pistis, and get rid of that unbelief by praying, by by speaking the word of God over your situation, by reminding the word of God. Faith comes by hearing and hearing the word of God. That's Romans, um, uh, I believe it's 11 or 10, either way. Look it up. Faith comes by hearing and hearing the word of God. So you get the word of God, you start reading it, speaking it, your faith gets strong, you focus on the promise, believe that it's done. Look, uh, I really encourage you to look at the verses that we looked at today. Mark 11, uh, 23, 24 is another great one to look at. John 16, Matthew 21, those are, those are great verses, definitely want to check those out. We are to live by faith. If you aren't seeing something show up, just spend time with God and he will show you what's going on. He will show you what you need to do. That's a big part of it. God will show us things we need to do sometimes. And that's what we need to do. Like Kenneth E. Hagan, the man I was talking about earlier, who God healed him when he was a kid because he discovered the truth of faith. He's He wrote numerous books on faith. Uh, I encourage you just Google Kenneth E. Hagan faith. You can watch all sorts of YouTube 
books, articles, you name it. His son runs his ministry now. But get those old books and, and I tell you, your life will never be the same. I know that God has given us faith and taught us through Jesus how to use it so that we can all live in his promises and we can expand the kingdom. I know we'll talk more about faith in the future, but faith is the key to seeing these prayers answered. If we will learn to pray in faith and live by faith, well, you just remember the words of Jesus. All things are possible to him that has faith. And you say, oh, doesn't it say all the all things are possible to him that believes? Yeah, it's pisteo. All things are possible to the one that has pistis. All things are possible to the one that has faith. That's the way that you and I should be operating for the kingdom of God, where every single mountain moves, every single thing that we ask for in prayer, we receive. And faith is the key. All things are possible to him who has faith. Jesus tells us repeatedly that faith is the key. God bless you guys. Have a wonderful weekend. I love you. And I'll talk to you again soon. Thank you.